Welcome to the Sons of Technology Clubhouse. Ditch your fear at the door, take a risk, and enjoy the ride with your hosts, Joe Marquez and Kyle Anderson. Welcome to another episode of the podcast by Sons of Technology. We are super excited to have a full roundtable with us today. Today we're going to talk about something extremely important, especially because, you know, we always like to say that we want to make sure that we're teaching our students for their future, not for now, not for what's available now, but for the jobs that haven't even been invented yet. And those jobs are going to be based upon coding. And we need to ensure that coding uh, is seen as an important skill needed within the classroom. And so that's what we're going to be discussing today. Um, I would just want to say we have a great group of people. Uh, I, myself, is my name is Joe Marquez. Uh, I'm an eighth grade science teacher and an instructional technology TOSA based out of the Central Valley and one of the founding member, members of Sons of Technology. And my partner in crime here, Kyle, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. My name is Kyle Anderson. I am a special education teacher in the Reno, Carson City, Nevada area. And you can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech, and you can also check out my blog, AndersonEdTech.net. And then I also co-host a second podcast, the Beer EDU podcast with Ben Dixon, where we have conversations with teachers over various educational topics with beer. Hey, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Corey Coble. I am a seventh grade science teacher of, in uh, Northern California in Roseville. Good morning, everyone. This is David Platt. I am a high school uh, computer science teacher and an EL teacher and a recovering German teacher. Um, and find me at Herr Platt. That is at H-E-R-R-P-L-A-T-T. -T. Uh, hi, my name is Jesus Huerta. I'm a fifth grade teacher in El Central California. It's way down south in California. Uh, you can find me at uh, Jesus H1979 on Twitter. Uh, hey, what's up, everybody? <clears throat> My name is Ed Compost. I'm a, a program manager for the Bootstrap program out of Brown University uh, right now. That's uh, uh, partially, that's a big part of my job. And then I also work as a lead learner for Q and do some uh, math and ed tech consulting for school districts out of uh, Central California, Tulare, Visalia area. And my name is Catherine Goyette, and I am an ed tech consultant for Tulare County Office of Ed, which is also in Central California. And you can find me on Twitter at cats with a K underscore Goyette, or on my uh, blog, wonderexplorelearn.com. Excited to be here. Excellent. Thank you, group. And I, you know, I totally forgot to share my Twitter handle. So you can find me, Joe Marquez, at Joe Marquez 70. Um, and before we get started, I want to give a big round of applause to Jesus for winning the Leroy Finkel contest. <laughs> you. you know, it's, it's, I mean, being able to talk with him every single, well, every other weekend uh, to do this podcast and hear his ideas and his passion for kids, just knowing that was up there, it was like a no-brainer that he was going to win. I mean, I know we had a lot of great participants up there, but I think I'm a little bit biased because, you know, we know we know Jesus pretty well, and we just wanted to give you a great congratulations right here on the podcast. Yeah. So we are extremely yeah. proud of you. Great. Thank you so much for being a part of the I wasn't going to speak until you said something about that, so thank you. Of course, of course. <laughs> All right. Now, now, getting that out of the way, the topic at hand for today, coding, right? Coding in the core. You know, why do we need 
to ensure that students understand what coding is and, and why is, is it needed in the classroom. So basically what I'm trying to say is, you know, we already have math, we already have science, we have English, we have history, we already have these core subjects that elementary teachers are already told they have to teach. If we incorporate coding in there as another subject they have to teach, I think we're going to have a lot of teachers go, I don't know how to do this, I don't want to do this. I, I think there might be, you know, some, some upheaval. So I, I want to hear the benefits of coding, the need for coding. I want to hear the, uh, the amazing uh, educators of innovation talk about how they are incorporating coding into the core classes or into what they're doing right now so that teachers can be alleviated by that fear. So they can know that, you know what, they don't have to know everything about coding, but they need to start implementing small steps towards that coding goal. So as the students progress up through their K-12 system, they're learning more and more each year. So I'm going to throw it out to the group. Tell me, why is there a need for coding in the K-12 system of education in, in the United States and beyond? Well, before we get going with it and get real deep, just full disclosure from my end, I am a non-coder. I mean, I'm familiar with it. I've I've messed around with some things like Swiss, Swift Playground on Apple a little bit, but I'm a non-coder. But I understand the importance of it, but I'm not sure how to incorporate it into core classes myself. So I'm really interested to hear what other people are going to say here. So I'm definitely going to be more of the quiet one uh, in today's discussion, um, asking questions more than giving input. So I'm really stoked because we've got some great coding minds here with us this morning. Kind of to go off of what you said, um, some of the stuff that I do in my class, sometimes I can't think of a way to incorporate it. So I just, I, I do 30 minutes of technology, just technology at the end of the day. And I don't try to shoehorn like, oh, here's a robot, write a story about this robot. No, here, just use the remote control the first time, play with it, fall in love with robots. Now run this maze and you can't with the control because it's the, the turns are too tight. You have to program it. You got to code it. Um, but for me, the importance is just everything that's coming down the pipeline, every job. Well, when I say job, I mean every career is going to incorporate that. And it's just another tool that they can have in their tool belt. And if we don't do it now, it's a disservice to them. That, that's how I see it. Now, hey, I, hey I, Zeus, um, you're bringing up a huge point there because that's all about uh, computational thinking and um, students. Uh, and also then you have things like Boolean logic and uh, things like that, that kids are actually going to need to know. And when you do things like uh, computational thinking, you start understanding like the bigger world, why things work. Okay, if you're picking up a remote control, everybody's using a remote control, but we have to understand some of the processes that are making those things work. And then when you keep pressing a button, why is it going? One, why is one thing happening compared to another thing happening? So you hit on a on a huge point there that you know, we need to know about. And our Dave, kids David, can you? Can you expand upon Boolean logic for the for the groups who do, who don't know what that is? Oh yeah, so um, I, I make I make assumptions as a computer science teacher that we all know what these things are, right? <laughs> um, no, so Boolean logic, uh, you you have at your core you have and or and not type of statements. So you could say um, like x is greater than five or x is greater than zero. So what you're doing is you can do a uh, a check statement in something like a conditional, like an if statement or a while loop or something like that, that uh, checks that, okay, well, if this condition is true, then this something is going to happen. 
So does that make a little bit uh, make make more sense? Usually you have and or and not statements as part of that. And kind of to add to that, um, I know one of the things in math that we want is for students to try every problem, especially if it's like multiple choice and there's four of them and they are not sure where to start. Um, mm -hmm. Or they need to work out every prompt to see does it match this answer that we're telling you do they all equal this 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 equation um if we expose them to like coding and programming there's no there's no like fault at the end you know they program something it didn't work okay well let me change something and i think it can go back to the math mindset because then they're like okay let me play with the numbers kind of like how i played with with coding and programming and it's something that on twitter um i don't know if you guys know paul gordon he was talking about that how there's no cost for them to try it. There's no like, hey, well, you're, you're getting an F now because you didn't program it the first time. No, go in there and figure it out. And I love, I love what David said uh, because I think when you when you start teaching these kids these uh, these awesome skills, you kind of pull back the curtain of the wizard behind the the magic of these apps and and the things that they consume on a daily basis. But they're like, oh, this is this is how that happens, you know, just in. In Boolean logic, like I love teaching students and teachers to compare strings. When does this word equal that word or that that string of character? And they you you know I guarantee every single one of us and every single kid and person uses that every day. And then they realize, oh yeah, that's like when I log in to any Google account ever, it's comparing these strings. Is this equal to that? If not, forget your password. Call Joe Marquez. Ask him to. Uh, reset your password for you right <laughs> yeah well i um actually got kind of in a coding thing and not as a teacher but as a parent um when my son was uh, five we did the uh, hour of code and i still remember having him upstairs and he was trying to figure out this program uh to make something work and he kept calling me up i don't know how to do this i don't know how to do this and you know being the good dad that i am i went up and helped him out and showed him what to do and i'm like wait that's not a good way to teach him and so i said all right just drag something over and see what happens and from that point on he just tried it he had that right mindset and i'll tell you i could hear him jumping up and down for joy when he got the program to work mm -hmm. and i think that's an important thing to do in the classroom is that we get these students to just try to work through a problem see what happens and then you'll have better results and a more memorable results um when it gets to the end and it actually works or even if it doesn't work that's that process of getting to that point and trying to figure out what went wrong and Corey, I think that's a great mindset for anything, right? We should have our students trying these things and not be worrying about a grade at the end, right? We should have, yeah. be, have them be able to try and fail and then assess, if I did fail, why did I fail? What can I change the next time? How can I make myself better? But they're not worried about, oh, I got an F on that because I didn't do it right. Right. And where's the motivation to uh, do it again? I mean, I got an F, big whooping deal. Having great solution. Yeah. So I, th I think a, a, a theme that I'm hearing from everyone is um, that it's really about getting kids to think in a different way, and that's what coding does for them. And so even if uh, students don't go into a job where they're going to do a lot of coding, um, it, it makes them realize, you know, like Ed was saying and, and like David was saying, they, they realize that there's something behind the device they're using, that there's something they're, they're understanding that logic and that computational thinking piece. So, so I think it's not just about um, the careers of the future, even though that's a big part of it, because not everybody's going to become a, a, you know, a programmer. But if they understand how to think, they understand how networks in the internet work, they understand what goes on behind the scenes of a computing device. I think that's key, and that's really going to help them in anything that they do. So I agree. Um, 
we uh, we were learning all about conditionals and while loops and all that sort of thing in uh, computer science, and my my students were not quite getting it, so I, I introduced them to Zork. You guys remember Zork? Yeah, I remember Zork, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I introduced them to Zork, and I'm like, well, let, let's look how conditional works right now. Let's look how a loop works, uh, works right now. So I want to go open the mailbox, right? I have, to, I have to do things, and if I don't do it correctly, then the mailbox is not going to open. And then once it's open, what command am I going to do to be able to uh, – uh, get the leaflet right and then I need to read the leaflet see am I bringing everybody back you're going to want to go play Zork after this now. that's brilliant man that's, I that's thought you were talking about Zork and Mindy that show from the 70s <laughs> nice <laughs> but that's kind of like you know when I, when I when I first started teaching science we had the uh, the peanut butter and jelly example yep. right yep. okay well, make a peanut butter and jelly like okay and they just grab it nope no, what do you do first oh you have to walk towards the bread Oh, you have to undo the tie. So every single little thing in order to make it work, uh, you have to include. Otherwise, the code breaks down. And so I think that's the idea behind it, right? So though, for the yeah. science teachers out there who are thinking about, well, I don't really know coding. I don't really know computational thinking. You've done it, right? You oh, yeah. did it your first or second year of teaching before you're like, ah, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something more fun, right? But but I think that's exactly the the, the, the idea that we're kind of pushing out there, right? Well, and the well, idea behind also... it, too, is that I say this to kids when they always ask about why do I have to take math? And it's not because, you know, later on in life, you're going to have to find the area within a parabola or something like that, unless you're a mathematician. It's based on the whole idea behind just the problem solving process, where if you can sit down and solve that area of a parabola, Again, you're not going to use that in your everyday life later on down the road, but it's going to teach you those skills and how to problem solve. And it's the same thing with failing over and over again, trying to get the little thing to move across the maze within the program that you're trying mm -hmm. to code or whatever. You're going to fail a bunch of times, but even if you don't get it right after an hour or whatever, you're starting to figure out the process of solving that problem. And it's something that you can apply to just about anything. Mm -hmm. Why, why do we keep bringing up this math thing? I thought we were talking about coding. How does coding and math come into play? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there's anybody out there that 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 can ever connect the two. Mm. So uh, <laughs> let, let, let me jump in here real quick. I, <laughs> Go for I, it. Go on. I, I, I love that segue, Kyle. That was beautiful. Um, <laughs> but um, I love that you mentioned. You know what? That that question. Why do we need to learn? Math, and I'm going to be honest, like I taught math for a long time. I don't know if I had that answer. You know, I'm like, because it's, it can open doors for you because it empowers you, you know. Um, but now I feel like, especially with the math practices, I have that answer. And I'm saying, because the math practices are what I focus on in my classroom. Like, though, that's the way to think like a mathematician. And just like the NGSS, science and engineering uh, practices are the way to think like scientists, you know, and um, the CSTA practices and cross-cutting concepts are the way to think, you know, computationally. Uh, and there, there's so much overlap between all of those, right? Like if you read them, you're like, oh, these are practically the same thing, you know, um, just with some a different, uh, some different vocabulary here and there. Um, but yeah, with math, you know, I, that's, that is what I do. Like, you know, we, we integrate to where, where I work with uh, Bootstrap out of Brown University, the Bootstrap program, we kind of specialize in the integration of of computer science into core content areas. You know, we have four modules, Bootstrap Algebra, uh, Bootstrap Physics, uh, Bootstrap uh, Data Science, and then Reactive. And so the Algebra was the flagship program, but it's, you know, getting kids to learn Algebra 
through uh, through computer science, where because sometimes maybe kids don't understand what a function is just by doing that worksheet, you know, one through thirty-five odd, you know, a bunch of times, and, and just doing pencil and paper stuff. But maybe there's a it's a richer experience when they can learn about functions and variables and domain and range by programming a video game where kids are actually using coordinates and inequalities. Um, Pythagorean theorem when characters collide into each other when the distance gets closer like there's uh, there's so much cooler ways that we can do things and whether it's computer science or anything like math just needs to have multiple representations for a wide variety of kids to get it and, and I think obviously yeah well I, I said it on your uh, session and uh, I say 15 minutes in and I was like already making my first program um, using yeah. that bootstrap and it was like I'm not a math person I'd, I've you know, no offense, but I don't like math. It's not my thing. But uh, yeah. seriously, I was like enjoying math for the first time in a long time. I'm like, whoa, this is cool. cool. So yeah, I think any way we can make that cool factor, like I'm not even learning <laughs> math. I'm just having fun. I think that's yeah. just a perfect, uh, wanna, perfect way to right, bring it in. Corey, you said something, the cool factor. Um, I, I think, and I don't want to just generalize admin, but I think when they see something like programming, they're like, oh, well, you know, the kids like it and it's cool, but, you know, what are the standards? How are they learning? Um, it's not just that it's cool. It's, okay, if you're going to go watch a documentary and it starts off, the first 10 minutes are super boring. What are you going to do? Turn it off. Walk out. It's the same thing with the lesson. If I don't grab those kids, you know what? I, I lose them. I might keep a couple of them. And if I can integrate something different, something interesting, for example, you said I didn't really like math. Thanks to Ed. Ed, you're awesome, by the way. Um, he he got you to like math that time. And yeah. if we don't do something cool, I'm not saying go up there and dance, but maybe even dancing might help. Um, but we got to capture those kids and then introduce these subjects in a different way. Hey, and, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah that's that. You're you're hey, you're hitting it right on the head. I, I used to, you know, when I was we'd be a TOSA and an eighth grade science teacher uh, in a district here in the Central Valley, you know, I used to do a lot of things. And I would talk loudly. I'd wear a, a fancy little belt that had the standards on it. You know, I just do, I do a lot of things to capture the students' attention. And the teachers would say, well, you know, you're, you know, and they're act, acting like a clown. You're an entertainer. I go, look, I'm not acting. I'm not an entertainer. I'm just trying to be relevant. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the idea. And I'm saying, I'm not changing the way that we teach, right? I'm changing the way that we reach these kids. I'm still teaching the standards, but I'm doing it in a way that is going to be relevant to them so that they are enamored by it and they want to learn. It's like what Dave Burgess always says, right? If the students could leave your classroom whenever they wanted, how many students would stay in the seats? And we, we have to teach that way. And so worksheets don't do that, right? And, and for, for, for Corey to be a lifelong learner and have always said, I don't really like math. And then to have a buddy, Ed, show him a new way to do it and be like, oh, I do like math. We can do that to kids early on, right? And so there's always a way to get kids to want to learn. We just have to look towards it. And I, I think this, this group here that we're talking to is like the epitome of how to do that, right? And so so math and coding are, 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 are really good to go together. But what I wanna ask here is, do teachers have time to do this stuff, right? Time can always be a factor within the classroom. And and there there are no, you know, state requirements for coding. There's no state standards for coding, right? Well, well, well Joe, I, uh, Joe I'm sorry. I'm going to have to interrupt you there. 
because okay because, yeah. yes please yeah I, I i can't let you go on i apologize okay um so actually there are national standards uh for computer science algorithms and programming um, which encompasses coding is one of the five concept areas um, so those are national standards um, and in the state of california on september 6th the state board of education unanimously approved um, what what they are calling the gold standard of computer science standards uh, here in California. So um, that's exciting because what I heard um, from the group is that sometimes admin administrators think, oh, you guys are just doing fun stuff. Where are the standards? Well, first of all, there are computer science standards here now, um, which is super exciting. Um, and they are designed to be accessible to each and every student. But not only that, which means they're also designed to um, be accessible to teachers that don't have a background in computer science. And so they were written in such a way that they are meant to support teachers that don't, you know, there's a glossary, there's descriptive statements, there's examples of interdisciplinary ways that this can be done. Um, and so I think that's really important. Also, just quickly, um, before I let someone else jump in, um, something that I think is really interesting is that um, there, Google and Gallup did a poll in uh, the survey in 2015, which isn't it's a little bit dated, but still what's interesting is 90% of U.S. parents want their, their students to learn computer science. Guess how many principals say that it's important? <laughs> uh, 10%. Take a guess. Less. You know, 7%. So wow. the disconnect between not only the world of work and the world of teacher <clears throat> and school, but there's a disconnect between what parents and students want and what principals think they want. So I think it's, it's, it's interesting, and what, you, what we can do, at least to, to leaders, we can say, well, hey, guess what, now they're standards. So we have a way that we can, we as computer science advocates can speak to leaders and say, hey, guess what, there's these standards now. And since, you know, we're saying, oh, they always want to know about the standard. We got them. We got them now. Now, Kat, about these standards, are they are they recommendations to start incorporating them into the classroom now, or are are these like like the beginning of something where they're going to start saying, okay, now that we have these standards and we've slowly rolled them out, we're going to start making coding to become a core class. So you're going to now teach science, math, coding, English, history. Is that where it's going, or do you think it's still just standards where they can roll the coding in? to other core subjects so they don't make coding its own separate core subject? That's a really good question. Um, and that came up a lot with the um, Standards Advisory Committee um, because there are different contexts uh, across the state, right, um, and across the country. And so the, the big idea is that computer science should be accessible to each and every student K-12. So what that means is in some schools, you know, San Francisco Unified is a great example of a, of a, of a district that went forward, uh, you know, kind of was future thinking, and they have like pullout program K-12 for computer science. Every kid in that district gets computer science, and they have computer science specialists that pull out kind of like you would for art or music um, in many districts. That's one option, but, you know, we also understand that not all, we've got districts in our valley that um, are having a hard time getting teachers, period, not even com credentialed computer science teachers, which is a whole nother issue. And so that being said, um, there are flexible implementation options 
um, listed in the appendix for leaders so that maybe in your district, um, you won't have that pull-out computer science program, but you'll be incorporating it into the core curriculum with a gen ed teacher, at least for K-8. Um, and so, you know, there, there's different options, but, but ultimately, um, they are meant to be accessible to each and every student in California, which means it can't just be an elective, right? Because not, unfortunately, not all kids have an open elective, which that's a whole other equity issue. <laughs> yeah. Some schools say, oh, you need reading intervention. You need English language development. Yep. And so you can't have that extra elective, which infuriates me. Oh, yeah. But that's why, you know, something like Ed's talking about with Bootstrap or there's Project Guts for Science, Integration 6-8, you know, these different ways that we can uh, integrate it into the core curriculum, it's really an equity issue. It's about yeah. making sure all students have that ex access. And shame, shameless plug, if you want to learn more about these enrichment activities, listen to episode five of Ooh, the yeah. Equity Trilogy from our past episodes. We talk completely about the inequities and having, you know, the kids who, you know, need extra help being pulled out of an elective and it kind of, you know, you're taking the joy out of learning because they don't have an elective now. It's just constant bombardment. So please listen to that, that, that issue. But I think that's right, Kat, and I'm going to throw it to Ed right after this. It's, it should be accessible in every class, not as an after-school program per se, not as an optional elective, but it, I mean, because how many kids would take math if it was optional, right? Because yeah. you have people like Cora who say, I don't like math, so I'm not gonna take it. We need to show them a way and show them something new because they may like it, right? It's like the green eggs and ham thing. Come on, try yeah. it, try it, you'll see, you'll like you'll it, like. right? So, so Ed, you, you know, you know, add upon what 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 Kat said about about the incorporation of the standards, but also talk about how 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 you know the necessity is you know the just getting the kids exposed to something new. Yeah, I think uh, I mean there's a huge you know initiative with the hashtag CS for all, right? If you've heard of that, um, or or at CS for all, they have summits every year and they have uh, thousands of uh, computer science PD providers that commit make renewed commitments. I know Bootstrap, we're a part of it, like all of, you know, Project Guts, or like any, any major uh, facilitator of computer science PD is committed to this idea of CS for all. And there's a huge camp of people that firmly believe that the way to achieve CS for all is through integration. Because uh, like, like Kat just mentioned, our resources are limited, especially if you've taught at a high school. Like, I don't know if it's a little more flexible in middle school, but to put a new course on a catalog and and dig into all this stuff when they're piling you up with double the math, double the English of these intervention classes, like near to impossible. But, and and to, to say that you have the resources, like with the time, with the space, with a trained teacher, you know, not everyone lives in Silicon Valley where we probably have an uncle or an aunt who maybe lost their job engineering and wants to start teaching and wants to teach programming. So, you know, you might not have that computer science class. But everyone does have a math teacher. Everyone does have a science teacher. Every school has a social science teacher. Some crazy lone nut that probably goes to Q and gets inspired and wants to try and wants to try new stuff. So it's like that's kind of a way that we we have that Trojan horse of exposing kids to everything. And then you know maybe they do have an AP computer science class, but traditionally it's one core group of students that takes that class, and that's not equitable. That's not accessible to all. How do these kids even know what computer science is? But maybe if you expose them to it a little bit in their math, in their science class, they can be like, oh, cool, is that what that 
um, is that what that uh, class is about? I think I'm going to try that class now too. You know what I mean? So that's a, a good way to achieve like that CS for all ideal. Well, yeah, and I think that uh, computer science offers it to kids that maybe not um, be successful in core classes, and that this could be their one time uh, successful. And I've always put it out there. It's like, hey, you get to control something that you don't get. You know, not often you get to control things in your life, especially in the younger kids. Uh, to watch them actually make a circuit light up, just an LED lighting up. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's that type of thinking. I controlled something. I made something happen myself. It gives them a, a little bit of power and a little bit of uh, like uh, enthusiasm for learning now. I, I would argue that um, some of those kids who need it the most don't get it. So I'm going to ask bad. the question that I guarantee 80% of teachers out there are going to ask you, especially if they're in one of these core classes. I have my own standards to teach, and as a, I'm a special ed teacher, but I work with Sosthays. We have our standards for world history. We have our standards for U.S. history. I have that stuff to teach already. I have the different stuff that I'm going to do to address those standards. Where am I going to fit in computer science into my world history class, into my science class when I'm teaching chemistry and we're working with different compounds and conducting experiments, mixing chemicals. Where am I in my English class when we're reading Edgar Allan Poe and doing story analysis and discussion? Where am I going to start fitting this stuff in? Well, I can, I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm doing a, I teach history and science and um, we're doing a creative writing project, uh, California Ecosystems. And one of their options is to use Scratch to do the storytelling. Um, they use it to tell the story of a hero going through the hero's journey, but it has to be based in a California ecosystem. In history, we're learning about the Mayans and the Incas and stuff like that. So they use um, uh, uh, Scratch again in that class. So I, I kind of integrate it anywhere I can just to give them that option, um, show them the power of it, um, and gives them that voice that they probably didn't have before. So you don't always need to be using Google Slides, right? No. <laughs> you all about else. me slideshow is gone from my classroom. No yeah, all see. about me is. So, Kyle, um, I'm a fifth grade teacher, so I got to teach every subject. Um, so my philosophy on that is I can make time by combining these things because the kids will actually work faster. Um, I do a progression system on everything. That's shout out to to John Corrupt because he told me make sure you do progression on time. Um, and I do three game projects and they do cardboard arcade and they just build. And for them, it's like, whoa, I've never been allowed to just freely go think and make something. And there's some engineering there. I got to make this work. I get got to get the bottom return. And they asked me, and I'm going to sound like the dumbest teacher to them because I'm like, I don't know. Figure it out. Can I look up a video? Can you? They're like, can we? Sure, go ahead. And then other kids are like, wait, I can look up a video. So I, I do that a lot. I don't tell them anything. And it might seem cruel, but it, it gets them to think freely. It gets them to think critically. Um, but it ends with a, a video game one. And I tell them, all right, you got to write another narrative. But this time the catch is you write about whatever you want. Can't be anybody famous. Don't start talking. If you start talking about Fortnite, I'm going to know or whatever, you know, and I'll, just, I'll do a little bit of research. Um, but I'll say out of 29 students, 26 of them will finish those five paragraphs within the first like three or four days because they know they got to do certain steps. They got to do like a little art project that goes with it. And it goes back to being pixelated because it's 8-bit graphics on the, on the game they create because they want to get that tablet. And 
they go through the editing process. I hear them, hey, you got to read my story. They don't go, hey, I'm done. And they throw it at me. There's a couple, but most of them, they already know the editing process. So they're like, I want to get this done quick. Or they come back the next day. I wrote five paragraphs. <laughs> and to me, it's like, great. I saved time. Now I can do this. Or, okay, time for you guys to get your allotted time to write. You know, uh, let me give you 25 minutes to write. Oh, I'm done. Oh, continue your project. Or I'm done with my project completely. Um, do one of the options that we have, which is music creation, coding, programming. Right now we're doing, thanks, David, by the way, uh, podcasting. Really, I, I like how you talked about it a few weeks ago. My kids are going crazy with it. And they, they pick their own teams. They pick what they want to talk about. They came up with show titles, movie finders, the slime show. It's it's awesome. And I think when you integrate that stuff, you get better work production. They work faster. They work harder. They'll go home and work on it because they're like, there's this thing that I'm going to make. There's this thing I'm vested in versus, hey, here's a packet of five papers. Uh, go fill this out. Oh, only two of them brought it the next day. Now I got to sign it. That's it's I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bash other teachers to do it. That's that's fine. That's your style that, that, you know, whatever. But for me, I'd rather here's a sheet, fill it out. It's graded automatically. Great. Now I save myself some time. Now I can do this other stuff that is important, yeah. but other people are not going to see as important right now. So I think they also I like have an audience, said, too. I like what. You, oh, you have something you wanted to add, David? Oh, uh, no. I was going to say I was going to eventually add something, but I'll go after <laughs> you. Okay. Go ahead, Kat. I was just going to say, I love that, uh, Jesus, you're talking about the motivation factor, but I also think from the teacher's perspective, because uh, that saves time because kids are more involved, but from the teacher's per perspective, as a, a former multiple subject teacher, there's, I always felt like I didn't have enough time to cover all those standards. Like, there's no way. You, are you kidding me? Um, and so what I did, you know, way back in the day was, you know, I felt that social studies and science were very important, for example. And I was told I have to have this amount of hour, you know, these amount of minutes per day in ELA and these amounts of minutes in math because that's what's tested, right? And that's what the admin were, were, were focused on. And it came from the top. It's not, you know, their fault necessarily. By the way, and I don't so, believe in that. Right? And so, right. And we, that's a whole other topic. But the only way as a teacher that I could fit that in is through integration anyway. And so I feel like philosophically, um, not only is it better for kids, because that's the way the world is, the world is interdisciplinary, it's cross-curricular, right? But, and it motivates them. But as a teacher, if I can integrate not just computer science into only math or only social studies or whatever, but I can, in, you know, incorporate it in together, then that's going to save me time in the long run, run too, because yeah. there's no way. Your stress level went down too, didn't it? Oh, yeah, it did. It <laughs> did. Because it is stressful teaching all those subjects. It is. Yeah. It, it's insane. And so... Um, when the day flows because you're integrating it, I would come home and my, my partner, one of my partners, Rudy, he's a sixth grade teacher. He's like, oh, dude, you tired or what? Eh, I'm tired because I was standing all day, but I'm not stressed out because most of the kids are working. I'm worried about three or four of them, not half of them. Eyes are glazed over. Yeah. So... Well, I think you brought a good point up. It's like um, their audience. I mean, when you do stuff like that, Jesus, it's awesome because these kids are doing it for each other. They're helping each other out. Their 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 audience has just grown exponentially. When you look at coding and doing something like storytelling or making a program, they're making it for someone else. When I had them a worksheet, and I used to do that, I hate to admit it, you had a worksheet. They're doing it for you, the teacher. As much as I want them to respect me and you know want to do it for me, they don't want to do it for me. They're middle school kids. Come on, they'll do it for their friends, 
then they'll put some amazing work out there for their friends. And I just look at it and go, yep, you got it. Uh, so I think having the right audience is uh, important too. David? Yeah, um, I, I feel like I'm kind of in a unique situation because my district has a, a TK-12 um, computer science initiative that uh, there is automatically computer science starting in TK and it goes all the way through to, to high school. And uh, we're actually, you know, so all of our, all of our uh, students in elementary are automatically doing computer science and they have things called epic builds that they do that they um, unveil during, during open house or that they have a coding competition at the end of the year. So all the, all the kids are doing it. Now some of the teachers are still, we still get a little bit of the discussion of, um, uh, yeah, I just don't have time for this. But then I think for some of them, they are starting to see the trend transition that, hey, you know what, my, my students can do a, a presentation and do a project and retell a story within, within Python or within Scratch. Um, and they don't have to, they don't have to be doing it on paper. They don't have to use Google Slides all the time. Um, we have another uh, teacher, he's fifth grade teacher, he's starting to work with uh, Arduinos and Hyperduinos and he's starting to have his students do storytelling and presentations with those. So he's taken to that next step where his kids can be pre presenting with those. And then when we get all the way up, you know, through high, to, to high school, um, computer science is, be is becoming one of those classes that is a required class for all students, whether they take intro or they start with AP computer science principles. But wait, 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 wait. So what I'm hearing here is you, know, you have a K-12 program. Yes. I understand coding in junior high or high school, but these little kids, they can't do it, right? I mean, the little, I mean it's, it's, too, it's too difficult for them, right? That's what I hear sometimes. Oh, yeah. So my, my five-year-old son can't code. Oh, wait, yes, he can. <laughs> and he's presented in front of an uh, audience at, uh, in Monterey. He's presented in front of an audience with him and his brother, uh, 10 years old and 8 years old, uh, presenting coding and showing scratch uh, to a room full of teachers. Um, I, I love that. I, I think, I think yeah. for teachers who think coding is hard or coding is inaccessible, I think the PD should be done by five, six, and seven-year-olds, yep. right, yeah. to those teachers. That's great. Um, so, so, you know, after playing devil's advocate on that, um, <laughs> how, how then, if you don't have a K-12 uh, buy-in, Right, like like David, you have. How can we get teachers uh, who may be a little bit timid about this to start implementing uh, coding uh, for the younger ages? Because once again, you may have some teachers who say, one, you know, we have too much to already teach. They already have to learn how to read and write and all this other stuff. Or they may say, we don't have enough time. Um, or they may say, coding will be too hard for them. Uh, how are we going to show them um, activities or or tools? that can make it accessible so it doesn't seem uh, that far out of reach. I, I'm a big believer in, you know, when you teach them young, uh, it's like a, a new language, right? They gravitate to it easier. Um, if we keep pushing it off for the next grade level, it just becomes harder and harder for them to learn, which, which by the time high school comes around, the teacher's like, well, I'm not going to teach that. It's too hard for them. So what can we do if we don't have that K-12 system to start something in the K-2, K-3 arena to really get that computational thinking, that those coding activities um, embedded into the classroom? So I have, I have a story about that, Joe. Okay. Uh, I, so love, I, love, I love stories. Oh, perfect. So when I was a, uh, was kind of like a learning director coach type position at a single K-5 school, and um, 
I wanted to be, I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm a bit competitive. And so I wanted to be the only school in the district that had all grade levels of my school site represented for Hour of Code, right? And this is, this was a few years ago. And I thought, I honestly was, I was one of those people that thought if I give a kindergarten, these particular teachers, they're not real techie. I tell them we're going to do coding in kindergarten. They're going to, they're going to freak out. So I said, I, I want to try coding with your class, with your class. All I need is 20 minutes and it's probably not going to work. That was kind of my buy-in with these teachers because they thought it was going to fail. I didn't think it would. I wasn't sure. But I said, if it, if it fails, it was 20 minutes out of your, your day and you can blame me, right? So I'm willing to take it all. So uh, I go in there and, and we start, start going through it. And the coolest part, what the teacher saw was as they're going through a simple, you know, they're making BB, they're coding BB-8 to move with block coding and to, you know, to pick up the little trash or whatever. Um, the cool part about it is these are kids that at the time, like they're struggling to read, like they can't even read the blocks, but I'm watching them work together and I'm watching them actually go through and you know figure out uh through decoding they're decoding so they're doing ela they're standing up and counting as they're trying to figure out where they're going to move their character and so they're doing all these interdisciplinary things automatically without me teaching it to them and so it was a really cool activity for that teacher to see that oh this isn't an extra thing. This is something that is going to help them learn to read. This is going to help them with math, um, all those things. I was in a third grade class um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I heard some people on here talk about storytelling. And so we use Scratch, and we put, you know, the, they, they uploaded their, their backdrop as a, like a chalk drawing they'd made of a setting. And the teacher told me that their idea was to create a story in Scratch and then write about it. She said they've never written this much before. They've never, once they, we took it to the writing process and they wrote that narrative, they were on fire. And so teaching the teachers that like, it's not this separate thing. It's something that even in those younger grades, they can, they can do block coding. They can, they can do unplugged activities. CSUnplugged.org has a million things where you don't even need a device um, to learn that computational thinking aspect and, and the logic and such. Exactly. My, yeah, student was, or my son was is in my district, and he was doing scratch in, in first grade and doing storytelling, and he was uh, making some uh, amazing leaps with with scratch. In fact, I actually use him as a resource for scratch because I do I do Python and I'm doing like text based coding, and I and I forget how to do the block stuff sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm at a K-8 school, and so our seventh graders have uh, kindergarten buddies. And so every year for the last uh, three or four years, we have been doing um, the Hour of Code. But I open up my classroom for all K-4 or 5 stu uh, students to come in for 40 minutes. Um, so all of my science students give up a period to help the kids. But it's amazing. I mean, I had kindergartners walking out knowing the word left and right, up, down. They didn't know that when they came in for in you know, 30 minutes. Uh, but then um, the kindergarten teacher that we're buddies with, it's uh, like, hey, can we can we invite your seventh graders over uh, to do an unplugged activity? And they did a whole gingerbread activity with them. It was so fun to watch these kindergartners learn about, you know, up, down, left, right. Oh, I got to move because there's a block in the way and, you know, get, get to the candy at the end. It was just amazing to watch kindergartners be able to do that. And I think, yeah, the um, uh, code.org has some great like uh, non-reader programs. Mm -hmm. So even if you're 
uh, students can't read, it's okay. There's arrows. There's they'll still learn. You know that thinking process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought um, my nephew. I think when he was like you know, five or something like that. I bought him. There's a board game called Robot Turtles. Not it's not not tech at all, and it's just a great way to get them used to the directions and the computational thinking of, of programming. Like su- super cool, uh, super cool game. And then probably my my favorite thing for like the prime. I mean, you know, younger kids is the Kano Kit. I don't know if oh, you guys have seen that. Thing, but, That's an awesome tool. But I love Harry that one. one now. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get that Harry Potter one, but uh, <laughs> I love it because it teaches. It gives them an overview of the hardware, also, mm-hmm. like how these pieces fit together, which I think is lost sometimes when we dive down the rabbit hole. And it's good to step back and see to the whole picture, so these kids can understand the ecosystem of of the hardware, software, uh, things like that. No, yeah. we're using uh, micro bits right now. Uh, micro bits are awesome. They're inexpensive. You get a whole bunch of them from Fry's. Um, and it brings that physical computing as well. And to yeah. watch a kid again light up an LED because they drag mm-hmm. it blocks of code. Then they're figuring out this whole ones and zeros. Oh, that means digital. That's on. That's off. I got that now. And it was amazing to watch them. Uh, and then now we get to do some fun building and bring some cardboard in and uh, make some really cool uh, stuff. But I think that physical computing as well is really uh, important. I think that, uh, the rad thing that um, microbits have is that if you're using make code, there's actually you, you can actually get away with just having one or two microbits in your class because you have the the visual there and the kids can actually be programming the microbit and then they have a, they can see actually what it's going to do to the microbit um, on make code. And mm-hmm. then they can plug it in and say, hey, did it really work? That's yep. right. awesome. You know, and, and so for the listeners right now, everybody's probably like, I'm driving. I want to write all this down. We're going to have all of the links to these uh, items uh, in our show notes um, for you to go back on and, and review. And I, I love that everybody is sharing their favorite tool to get that hook in, to get that knowledge, knowledge in. I love I love the Kano kits. Uh, there, there's another kit that's made of wood, right? They make a computer out of wood. Piper. 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 Yeah, Piper. Piper's oh, yeah. good. And then there, there's the, the new Pi Tops that are out there, mm-hmm. the green ones um, that, that the kids can use. So there's so many great ones out there. Um, uh, and and, and uh, Ed, I, I bought Robot Turtles for myself <laughs> just so I can learn how to use it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I have that for, 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 my, for my daughter. But is, is anybody that didn't get a chance to kind of say one of their favorite tools out there? Because I have a few that I want to share, but I, I want to just open it up for those who didn't get to share some of their, their so, great tools to utilize. Um, have you guys used Tinker? I'm sure you guys have. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought it for my son. I bought him a year subscription. They had some special like a couple years ago. Um, and I would just tell him, okay, why don't you do this one? And then he's like, all right. And I go, I'm going to put 30 minutes on the timer. And then I'd come by and I'm like, okay, you know, let's go do some. No, can I cast some more time on this? I want to do this. I want to make this. I saw this other program, you know, when I was, you know, loading up the one that you, you wanted me to do that and all that. Um, this was when he was like nine, 10 years old. Um, if, you know, a, I know it's expensive to buy a classroom set of that. Um, but I think if, if they get it for one class, they can see the benefit, then they might be willing to invest. Kind of like you mentioned, Corey, um, getting the, the micro bits, you know, just get a couple of them. And then David, you said, you know, there's the digital part of it. Um, but I think if they see the benefits, then they're like, hey, you know what, this wasn't that much. You know, let's get a class set, let's rotate it. Okay, next year, let's get one for every classroom. Um, 
I, I really like Tinker because it has a lot of different ones. It has like virtual drones. It has this and that. And I think, yes, it's pricey. Um, if you get a whole like district one or a whole classroom set. But I think it's a good one for a teacher that's like, you know what? I don't know where to start. I don't know what a micro bit is and all that. With that, it kind of guides the kids. It guides the teachers. There's a lot of resources. Um, but, but yeah, everything you guys mentioned, all those are, are awesome. There's one that I like for 3D printing. It's called, um, let me see. I have it right here. Uh, BlocksCAD, C-A-D. Um, you use block programming, and it'll generate a 3D model. And then that can be taken out and 3D printed. And I just happened to stumble upon it. I'm like, oh, this is perfect for anybody that wants to add, you know, block coding or they're already doing block coding and maybe they can do it as a, you know, little side project. Hey, you know what? Here's this one. Mess with the code and see what you generate. So, and then that one is free. They can just design stuff for free and then just take it out and print it. Yeah, there are, there are way too many things out there that I'm sure we could all just like say, hey, let's do this. This, this is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, I am a big fan for littles learning things like Python Turtle. Okay, now those Apple too. To me, <laughs> um, you're going to remember Turtle. Okay, oh, yeah. and yep. um, now now Python is doing is redoing Turtle, and there's Python Turtle out there, and that is a great tool for um, for math. I, I just to be able to not only you're doing computational thinking and, and seeing how things move, but you can you can do like math problems with Python Turtle and be able to create those, uh, create shapes and create parabolas. Um, I also love, uh, I'm going to have to throw out, uh, out out the Hyperduino out there from, uh, from yep. Roger Wagner because I work yep. with those all the time with my students and there are so many amazing physical computing projects that you can do that you can start with things like storytelling and then go all the way to yeah, it's I, to basically whatever you want. I mean, you can have kids coding smart cars um, or working on making a laser harp right now. I mean, there's some there's some really cool stuff that you could be doing with that. Well, he has a um, uh, the maker bit uh, um, for the micro bit, and it's got the touch sensors. And it's, and it's I bought one at uh, Spring Q, and the only thing I bought at Spring Q was his. Uh, um, Hyperduino for the maker for the micro bit, and it's been fun. I mean, it's super cool. It interacts with uh, Make Code, um, but you had the touch sensors, and he has a little like a volcano um, activity where you touch a button and the part of the volcano lights up. And I mean, it's just really cool to see that physical computing. So, and he designed it so that that maker bit, anything that you can do with the Hyperduino, you can do with the maker bit. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. I think for be, those that uh, begin teachers that don't have a computer science background, Spheros are if they've got the the funding. Spheros are cool because there's there are tons of um, lessons already created um, for that are integrate that are integrated with other subject areas, and it's super simple and really engaging for the kids. So I think, think Spheros are good. Spiro ED, uh, Spark Edu, and then. Um, I've been loving Cubelets lately. Have you guys had a chance to play oh, with those? Awesome. Those are awesome. Those are really cool. There's so many um, CS standards you can meet with just that one tool. Um, they've got the sensing block, and they've got like the data collection block, and they all work together. It's super cool. So um, that's another one that I've I've liked lately. 
No, those are, those are all fantastic. There's there's one called Bebot, right, for the, mm-hmm. for the little kids, right? It mm-hmm. it's, it just has the arrows up top and yep. allows them to use that computational thinking. Um, there there's actually a, a a guy on Instagram or a family on Instagram that I follow, um, and it's it's called Little Problem Solvers, and they do a lot of, and it's all um, non non web based, right? And so it, it's it's all um, all physical world kind of stuff. And so that's some pretty neat things. So if you're looking for stuff right there. And then Google has some great experiments uh, that are a little bit higher level, but you don't really need background from it. Like Google's Teachable Machine. You can have you can teach your computer how to swipe left or swipe right um, like that. And then um, also finally, one of my favorite things to do with, with kids um, to incorporate some AI components uh, to the classroom is Story Speaker. Right, story speaker from Google. It, it gives you a template, allows you to connect to the Google Home, and the kids type their story, and then they can talk to the Google Home. Say, and the Google Home say, "Do you want Johnny to go to the left or to the right?" And they say left or right, and based upon their story, it'll read that next section. It's kind of one of those choose-your-own-adventure stories, but it gets the kids involved working with the computers. Not necessarily coding, but it does allow them to kind of see, "Oh, look, I can control the AI. I wonder what else is next." With that logic, that's not yep. nice. So we've talked about a lot. And so what I want to do is I I want you to, I want everybody to kind of just go around real quick and and give their their elevator pitch, right, to to administrators or districts or teachers on why coding is needed. Um, and, and, And the best way of saying, like, if not now, when? Right. If we don't do it now, then when is it going to happen or who's going to show it to them? So, you know, I know I'm putting people on the spot, but let's go down the line and I want everybody to kind of do their elevator pitch to uh, to, to help everybody out there encourage administration and school districts to start incorporating coding uh, into the core classroom. But nobody wants to go. For- Ed, Ed, you know, Ed, you, you kind of have to do an elevator right. pitch with bootstrap. So so let, what, what would you All say? Right. Yeah. Uh, about that yeah I mean this is just it's just relevant education for your students you know if you're trying to prepare them college and career readiness like this aspect of technology is in every single thing that we do nowadays and it's exciting it's it's fun the kids when you expose them to it we owe it to the kids to expose them to it uh, because how do they know they're gonna be good at something and really like something if they never even have the chance um, you know, I would have never taken a programming class and and become a programmer. I was a programmer for three years if it wasn't for a friend of mine in a math class that said, hey, you, you should take programming with me. That's a good job. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't even own a computer. And then I took that class. I found out I was good at it. I got a minor. Um, I think my first job interview, they flew me to San Francisco, paid for it because I knew coding. And that's pretty empowering for like a kid like me from the Valley that grew up in poverty to have their first flight ever paid for them. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of empowerment I want for my students. And that was in 1999. So imagine how much more empowering and how much more dire and, and how much more urgency there is to, to equip these kids with these skills and give them access. We talk a lot about how it's important for students to know a foreign language and how if you can speak Spanish, if you can speak Mandarin Chinese, if you can speak Arabic, where you can basically get almost any job in the world. And if you really think about it, 
programming and coding is a foreign language itself. It's not something that everybody knows, but if you're if you can get really good at it and you can quote unquote speak that language, you're going to be able to go anywhere. So you can take that kid from the Central Valley like yourself, Eddie, uh, put coding into their brain, into their hands, and then all of a sudden they could be working in London. They could be working in New York. They could be working in Dubai. They could be anywhere in the world making tons of money just by learning how to speak the language of coding. So if we can put that into the hands of our students and train them in that, we're going to be preparing them for jobs that – exist now and are paying very well exist later in the future that that don't exist right now and if we can prepare those kids for that this world's just going to be that much of a better place yep and i'm going to speak to you go ahead ahead, jesus okay Uh, for me it's it's all that i'm going to go ahead and take credit for everything you guys said already um but for me it's i think it helps them become braver i think it helps them see okay you know what oh i'm a hacker you know what hacking is even i tell them and they're like well isn't it something illegal no it just means you're taking something and making it do something that's not supposed to and i go if you really want to be able to do that you have to go down to the language level to the coding level um and i think when they're able to do something with that whether it's block programming with you know robotics or or swift or scratch and then they go into something like code combat that's another good one, by the way, because it lets them actually use the language. Um, and then, oh, can you make a presentation with Slideshow? Yeah, this is not even a big deal. That's like old hat. How, how could that be hard? I did this, you know? And I think as they move forward, when they're challenged with something, they're like confident. I don't want to say cocky, but they're like, hey, I did this. I can do that. And and a good example is my son. He has been around programming and coding since he was like seven, just like, like Corey's. And right now he's using Unreal Engine and he is clicking this and doing like a hierarchy system. He put a life bar that he drew himself. He came up with the hierarchy. So when he falls down, the damage actually like it's taken off his the life bar and he's doing all this stuff and I'm watching him and I'm like, I can't do that. He's already surpassed me in that aspect. And it's humbling, but I'm so proud of him. And I want every parent to be like that. And I want every teacher to be like that. And that started at a young age. And I think if we start them at a younger age, when they get to Corey, when they get to to um, um, David, sorry, David, my, my mind froze a little bit. Um, when they get to them, they'll be like, oh, this group right here is already advanced. They must have had somebody show them this. Now I can push them even further. Because <laughs> they're not going to have the mindset of, no, 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 you got to stick right here. They're going to say, you know what? Okay, let me put you over here, special group. You guys, I have these tools that nobody uses because, you know, my students come in and they're not ready for it. And then they go further and further. And I think when they get out of high school or into high school, just like, you know, Ed mentioned, they're going to be headhunted. They're going to be like, hey, we want you. We heard about you. You put yourself out there. You do all these amazing things. We want to pay pay you for it now. And where I'm at, it's a lot of field workers. There's a lot of fields here, a lot of farm workers. And we mentioned way earlier in the episode how there's a disconnect with admin every parent that comes in that they're like a field worker and they come in like at five or six o'clock they're like i just came from the field they're like all muddied and i show them oh this is the english and math but they're also learning this part of technology they're like that's huge i don't want them to be in the fields like me and for me that stuck in me the first time i heard it i'm like you know what i'm gonna push this further because i don't want them to be out there either i want them to have bigger and better things so 
That was, that's yeah, exactly. Um, I would say to the teachers and administrators who are reluctant to bring this into their classrooms, um, let the kids do it. Just take a back seat, enjoy the ride, um, watch them struggle. Um, don't help them or don't, I mean, help them, but don't do it for them. Uh, let them learn. Uh, they can do this. And I think the end result is so powerful for the kids that you just have to let them do it. Um, don't worry about it. Take that leap of faith. Um, carve out some time. If it's important, you're going to find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. I tell that my students all the time. And I think administrators and teachers need to hear that as well. You know, find a way. It's important. And once you see it, you'll become a believer too. Um, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the approach here that you know language. Uh, being a a, for, a former foreign language teacher, um, language is important, and uh, computer science is an international language. It's a language that anyone and everyone can speak, and the world as it uh, is becoming more reliant on technology and making uh, greater and greater advancements, that is a true international language. And if we want our students to be competitive, we want them to be able to. Uh, to live in the mid and late 21st century. We want them to understand um, why things are working the way that they do. They need to know computer science. And it, it doesn't have to start off um, with anything that is crazy advanced. But it, it needs to start, and it can start in, in those young grades with getting kids to just do it and to, to interact with uh, all the amazing programs and tools that are out there. And um, as they go through it and they grow up with it, it becomes a, a normal part of their, of their routine and education and that they're going to um, expect it as part of what, of what they're doing. And then they're going to also expect that progression also in difficulty. And as, as they get older and then they get into high school, yes, it's going to be more difficult, but they're going to have the background and processes that are, um, that are going to be able to launch them forward to doing really amazing stuff in high school and college and beyond. Oh, so much great stuff that was said. I want to, I want to look at the equity lens for a moment. <laughs> Um, because I feel like all everyone on this call uh, or on this, this podcast right now is doing some amazing things with coding in the classroom. And I know that there are teachers and administrators out there that are scared and that are saying, well, that's okay for you guys because you're really techie and you're, and they talked about some great strategies, let the kids lead and all that, but they're still scared right? And they still, um, and so I want to talk to those people for a moment and talk about how this is really a need for kids. And it's not fair in my mind. It's not fair if, you know, maybe my, my, uh, my son is not in Jesus's class. He's in the class next door. For example, I don't know who Jesus works with. So I don't know if this is the case. This could be hypothetical, but hypothetically, you know, my son's not in Jesus's class. He's in the class next door and he doesn't get to have computer science. And so I really think that this is something that, leaders and teachers that are scared need to take that step for the sake of their students because this is something that computer science promotes empathy we heard again and again how kids become resilient they have opportunities that they wouldn't have had otherwise and so i really want to make the case that this is something not only is the state of california saying this um, but even uh, every student succeed act talks about computer science being a part of a comprehensive education and so this 
to me, the reason I'm so passionate about this is for the sake of all students um, and making sure that it is a part of the core. So thank you to all of you for all you do because you're doing amazing things. And what we really want to do is scale it out and make sure that this works for all kids. Kyle, what about you? At the beginning of this episode, you said you were going to kind of be back a little bit listening to everybody. What would you, Now, after listening to all these, these great experts, what would you say to your school? What would your pitch be to start utilizing coding a little bit more? Well, I kind of mentioned already the thing about uh, how it's a foreign language and by developing that foreign language skill that you can really, you know, take kids places with that and just really change the world with it. So um, I really, I'm just... At this point, I'm just I'm really overwhelmed to tell you the truth because there's just so much out there that we we went over in this episode. So I I always listen to our episodes again afterward uh, because I'm my my own worst critic. So I always want to improve our episodes when we do them. But um, this time I'm going to be going with another lens when I re-listen and just to kind of go over everything again, like. I hope our listeners are doing is uh, just gleaning everything from this great conversation that we had with everybody today. Excellent. And uh, what I would say to kind of close this episode out is remember historically knowledge and education has been what has either held people back or moved people forward. And every single generation, there is knowledge that needs to be learned that takes a little bit of time to get people to understand that it needs to be implemented in a public education system not not at a private school not not at any other school but the public education system and i think now is the time for us to start understanding that we are not preparing the students for our future we are preparing the students for their future and this is a tool which they can use to better their lives and we've heard stories from ed from cat you know from from david from corey from Jesus about how they are already changing lives now by making learning meaningful, by giving the students a chance to be makers, creators, failures. And I say failures because it's okay to fail because they keep trying to better themselves and learn. I think coding is the best way to get kids to understand that they can do anything. One of the things we said at the beginning of this episode is that math opens doors well now with coding they can code that door to open so it can truly open doors right so what i say to everybody is listen you may be scared you may think of coding as this language you never got to learn so you're scared to even try but your students are aching for it and the younger they are when they learn this idea this mentality this computational thinking the easier it will be in the upper grades for them to start implementing it. And that's how the world can be bettered and that's how the world can be changed. And that is how status of somebody who is poor can rise up and truly live the American dream that was supposed to be here, right? Because education and knowledge is the true currency of this country. It's the true empowerment to bettering somebody. And I think if we can just remind teachers that our job is to expose students to ideas, to activities, to experiences that will make them a better person, make them a better thinker, and make them a successful citizen of this country, I think that is what we need to remind ourselves. 
And I'm not saying coding or technology is the answer to it. But what I am saying is it can be a block towards that next step to finally give students a joy that they may not have felt before. So by holding it back, we are holding them back. I say unleash the Kraken. Unleash it <laughs> and let those tentacles go where they may. Yep. Some kids may gravitate Ooh. on towards it and, and, and really become that amazing coder we know they can be. Some kids may tinker with it. Some kids may just dabble with it. Some kids may never use it. But that's the same for every subject, right? Oh, yeah. That's the same for every subject. So just because we as educators don't know 100% what it is or how to do it doesn't mean we should hold it back from our kids. Exactly. And so I, I, and, and I know I'm speaking to the choir, but I think the choir can go out and sing the <clears throat> praises of what needs to happen. So if we can get our voices and our tunes just right, we can, we can change the world. And so that's what I think, I, I, I think we need to do. So this episode was about coding, but I think the overarching theme is empowerment. And I think Agreed. coding can help empower our students. Um, preach! So I, I just want to say I am humbled and, and, and uh, enamored that I get to talk and start my day on a Saturday with you amazing educators. I am I am beyond words to say that I get to call each and every one of you my friend, and I thank you for sharing your knowledge with you know, just the education community who's willing to listen to this podcast. Uh, I know some people can think of those sons of technology, you know, is, is kind of this thing of they're always going to talk about technology, but our goal, our mission is to ensure that teachers are not, are not fearful, that teachers are empowered, and that teachers know that with technology or not, they are the biggest tool in their classroom and they are the ones that are going to make the difference but when we have better weapons we can we can we can win the battles that we that need to be fought so thank you so much everybody for joining us today we're going to um, put in our notes um, every single one of you that joined us your contact information all the different tools that we talked about are going to be placed in our show notes i even made a walklet of every single one of our uh, our STEM coding resources for everybody out there. Thank you so much for being a part. Kyle, thank you so much for being the consistent partner in crime. And thank you to our listeners out there that uh, put up with us for an hour or more sometimes and, uh, <laughs> and learn with us and continue this conversation with us through Twitter. Um, read the blogs, follow the people that we has got the pleasure of speaking with this morning and ditch your fear at the door, take a risk and enjoy that ride folks. And continue to innovate. Have a great day. And until next time, let's just keep doing what we're doing, which is changing the world. Change the world.